And uh, for some of you, I spoke a few weeks ago, and so this is just kind of going to be, I really want this format to be, if y'all have questions, I really want y'all to feel very comfortable asking questions. Um, I just, I'd love to open us up in prayer, though, first, and then we'll get started. Um, dear Heavenly Father, I just I praise you, Lord, for these women, and Lord, you have equipped us to be in this room, and that is with the gift of a child. And so I just pray that you will just let my words glorify you today and uh, just be something that these ladies, just one jewel, Lord, that they need to hear. Um, Just bless our time here, and uh, I'm just thankful for all these sweet ladies. In your name we pray, amen. Well, last time I spoke about, um, whoopsie, this is going to be... Okay, let me see how this works. Attention Sunday to the front desk. <laughs> okay, she wants me to do this. I'm guessing that this started. Okay, so you think that's record? I can't even see with my reading glasses on. That is not a good start. Perfect. Oh, perfect. I love those words. I'll never be that, but we, none of us will. Okay, purposeful planting. Okay, what we started with, and I'm just going to kind of recap what I talked about last time with, you know, setting yourself up with a good plan, um, and I think that comes with preparation and prayer, and I think really the most important thing, and I'm just going to hammer this in again, is that we have got to know, just like Jesus and Peter, when I talked about that last time about the disciples with Jesus, and when they went to go feed the 5,000 or any of that, um, you know, they, they knew they didn't have enough food for those 5,000 people. And that was just the men. They didn't know about the women or anything. So they had to, Jesus just said, go out and feed them and, you know, come back to me. So they would take these baskets of food out and feed them, and then they would return back to Jesus. So I just want you to remember that when your baskets, and we'll talk about that a little bit uh, further down, when your basket is empty, you've got to know where to get it refueled uh, or refilled. Prayer is so important. I mean, I want you to be, you know, prayerful. I mean, when you, when you wake up in the morning and you know your heart is not connected with the Lord, I mean, pray. Psalm 5110, that says, create in me a clean and pure heart and, a, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. So just let the Lord work in your life because that is the best uh, prayer and preparation you can do for your family. And then I said the L was loving, learning, listening, and laughing. And then the A was attitude and anger. And then the N was no taste of victory and no gray areas, which is really leaning toward consistency. And then if you have a good plan, then what ends up happening is you plant because the truth that you plant from God's word along the way. So I said our training ground is our home. And it all starts within our home. And you know the old saying, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Well, there's some truth to that. And I say, you know, that really, I always tell, you know, my kids will come home and say, so-and-so was so mean to me. And I'm like, you know what? We don't know what's going on in their four walls. I mean, in your four walls, nobody knows what goes on in your four walls. I mean, a lot of times we're a reflection of that. And sometimes when you get to know people more and you realize what they're walking in, you're thinking, oh, well, that explains it. So all you can worry about is what goes on in your four walls. And I said begin each day with a full basket because operating out of an empty or compromised basket is going to always return void. I mean, you're just going to have one of those days and you just got to go back and refill your basket. 
And I often ask myself, you know, there's times I'll stand back and say, okay, what is the aroma of my home reflecting to my kids? And that is the affection, the respect, the order, the merriment, and the affirmation. And these things, ladies, don't just happen. You have got to be intentional. You have got to be creative. Um, the affection. You know, sometimes I just stand back and I say, you know what, have I filled their emotional tank? Because a lot of times it is so easy for me to fill my 8-year-old's tank. I mean, I can do all these little things for her. I can just, like, climb in bed with her every morning, and I do that. And I, you know, just cuddle on her and love on her. But the other day I was so convicted because my two girls share a room. And I thought, you know, I never do that with my 15-year-old. And so I just went over there and crawled in bed with my 15-year-old, and I cannot tell you, she loved it. And I was just like scratching her back, and she turned over just like my 8-year-old does. And so many times I think, you know, you'll hear that thing, oh, when they're 15, you know, they just don't want. They do want. They do want. And no matter how old they get, they're not too old for us to fill their emotional tank. I'm conscious of making deposits in my 15-year-old's tank in the, in the realm of she likes gum. So what do I do? I buy this big thing of gum, and I unscrew the lid, and I put I love you on it because I know she's got to pop that off, you know, to open it. So when I screw it back on, and I'll throw it in her backpack, and I know she sees that, and I know she knows that. And there's little bitty things that I know I can do, but there's those little bitty things also that say, you know, stay up later. Like my husband and I sometimes, I mean, I love to go to bed early because I'm exhausted by the end of the day, but I know when my 15-year-old, she gets that she gets totally filled up when it's my husband and myself and Sally all in the kitchen. And so I and I'll see Sally, she'll kind of back up against me and she'll kind of and I'll be playing with her hair and stuff and she'll kind of nestle in and I can just tell and I'm, I call my husband the next day at work and I'm like, "Okay, we've got to be more we've got to create these moments more intentionally with her because she is getting filled up and I'm telling you, the world puts so much pressure on our kids." that we have got to be that way at home. Just in, we just got to be intentional about really filling our kids up because the minute your kids start getting to be five and six and start going to school, I'm telling you, doesn't matter what age, the world will beat them down. And that's the same thing with your husbands. I mean, when they come home, they want to be filled up. Um, I think also you just got to make those deposits, those daily deposits. And, I mean, that comes in the form of physical touch, eye contact, listening with your eyes. I know when Sally, when she was like eight or nine, she went to TBRM for camp. And I noticed when she came home, she was just like, just picking fights with, you know, like just Blaney, I was in that seat, blah, this and that and the other. And my husband was like, Sally, we have had a great week. And what is this, all this fighting and stuff? And I was like, wrong thing to say. In my mind, I was thinking that. So what do I do? I call my husband, leave a message on his recorder at work. Honey, Sally is trying to find her place back in here. She's saying, wait a minute, y'all are all doing fine without me. I've got to nestle in there and find my place back. I said, when you come home tonight, go behind her, play with her hair, hug her, say, we've missed you. How did we do it without you? We have missed you. Perfect. He walked in, grabbed her, loved on her, and it just was like, it was just like this re-entry had just like softened her, and it was not, you know, quit acting like, it was not negativity, it was a positive way of reintroducing her back into our family and saying, you're our leader, you know, we needed you back. Um, I think respect, you know, I put, I put on your parent to child, child to parent, sibling to sibling, I totally miss that because the most important one is parent to parent. If you're modeling and teaching that respect, 
I remember when we have a three-bedroom house, and when Sally and when Grace was born, the biggest room was my son's, and it had bunk beds in there, and it had a baby bed in there. So just naturally, I thought, oh, look, the Lord is so good. We're going to have another boy. I mean, he is just so good. Well, when we didn't even have a girl name picked out. So when we get to the hospital, and around this curtain came this the blackest-headed long hair child you've ever seen and she had this little furry brow she'll do it for me today if I say how did you look when you came around that curtain she'll do this little like are you my mother because I didn't look anything and she didn't look anything and I thought if I hadn't seen her come around that curtain I would not have known but when she so we were just like Blaine meet Gracie Gracie meet Blaine and so they shared a room for the first six years well when we figured out that that was not going to work forever I was like Sally you know what are we going to do? You know, are we going to add another room on, or do you all want to share a room? Because here she was like, you know, this was like probably three years ago. She was, you know, 12 years old. So we were like, okay, you girls talk about it, and then let's figure it out. Well, Sally and Gracie came back in about an hour later and said, we want to share a room. And so one day, like the next week, Sally had a friend over to do a project. And they were working, and Sally was there with her friend Emily, and Gracie was at the end doing her homework. And so... Um, Gracie said, I'm going to share a room with Sally. And Emily, this friend, or this girl, she wasn't really a good friend, but she looked and she goes, are you kidding me? You would share a room with your sister? I would never share a room with my sister. That would be the worst thing in the whole world. And I'm just over in the kitchen making dinner. And Sally looked up and looked at Grace and said, I think it's going to be great. And I just got tears in my eyes because I thought, oh, my goodness. She, and so when her friend Emily left, I said, Sally, can you come here? I said, thank you for being a forever sister and not a temporary friend. It would have been real easy to say, yeah, I, my mom's making me share a room. But instead, she chose to build her sister up and make her feel like she was the most important thing in the whole world. And Sally continues to do that. But I just pulled her over, and I just looked her in the eye. And, I mean, it was just like I shared last time with you all that, you know, when she went off to camp, Sally went to camp this summer, she wrote a letter to us the first week, and the second week, Gracie gets this letter. And Gracie is running through the house going, I will never leave this letter ever. I'm going to keep it forever. And I was thinking, and I got right on the, the email, and I typed Sally, and I said, thank you for making a deposit in your sister's emotional tank. You can't understand how that feels. When, you know, you're thinking, you know, when you, when you ask your daughter, your eight-year-old, she asked me who inspired me, and I said my mother-in-law, and then I asked her the same question back. She goes, well, what does that mean? I said, well, that's somebody you look up to and you want to be like. So I'm all thinking the humbleness of me that she's going to say, of course, me. Well, she says, oh, Mom, Sally, for sure. And I said, oh, oh, well, that's exactly how it should be. I'm so glad. But I just think you cannot... You know, really, I mean, the respect has got to be. I mean, I think for our family, that's just been a really, my sister and my brother, and I hope this, they never get this tape. I mean, I loved my brother. He, I mean, I love my sister, too, but we just never got along. And I always knew it because my mom would always say if we fought, she would say, you go to your room, you go to your room. And so we would be separated. And so I thought, wait a minute, that's not teaching them. So, I mean, I have done some crazy things when my kids were younger. I mean, like, if they were bickering in the back, I'd say, okay, out, we were going to church. I can remember two times vividly, out of the car, kiss on the lips for one full minute. What? I'm like, on the lips, go, outside the car. So they're standing there, and they're, like, looking at each other, and they're, finally they kiss, and then they're laughing so hard, and then they go in. And I've made them walk into church holding hands. I've made them do all kinds of things, but they've learned that there's no option. they got to love. 
love each other. Because if we don't love in our circle, how can we go out and love others around? So I think, you know, manners are huge to me. Please and thank you. I mean, when people say, what's the magic word? I'm like, there is nothing magic about the word please. You don't get it if you don't say. I mean, I started when my kids were little bitty, like when they were even in their high chairs. Or we taught them that, you know, thank you, the please, and thank you, the sign language from growing kids God's way. And I mean, when my son wanted something, he didn't really quite get it. Maybe because he was dyslexic. We found that out later. But I mean, I don't think that might, probably doesn't have anything to do with it. But he would be going like this if he wanted something. He was just doing all the signs. And we would just laugh. But, you know, I just felt like there was always please and thank you were just huge to me. And if my kids said please when I was at the table, if we were home during the day by ourselves, I would just like run around the island, jump up and down, make this big deal about it. And if they didn't say please, then I would act just like a turtle and just slow. And they would think, what did I not? Oh, please, Mom, please, please. And then I would just run and I would do this whole thing. And eventually they just kind of got it. Now, tip off. If they say, they still to this day sometimes say, oh, can I go to this or can I do that? And I'm like, may I? And they'll go, may I please go? I mean, I always come back with a, may I? And they'll go, oh, may I please? And they catch themselves. If they come home from a friend's house and they walk up to the door, I'm always like, oh, my gosh, it sounds like you guys had a great time. And that's my kid's tip-off without saying, what do you say to Miss Johnson for having you over this afternoon? It just says, sounds like you had a great time. Oh, thank you, Miss Johnson, for having me. It's just, it's little bitty reminders. Or if a lady says, oh, she's got the cutest haircut. I'm like, oh, Gracie, that is the nicest compliment. Tip-off. Gracie says, thank you. You know, it just is one of those things. If you'll start doing those things now and teaching them, because, you know, I don't know, maybe, and if y'all like that, you know, about the, what do you say, what do you say, what do you say, it just, it becomes where when they hear a compliment, they say thank you. I mean, you know, and you don't have to prompt them. Forever, my son, we went round and round and round about greeting people, teaching them to make eye contact and shake hands. For a boy, that is just so important. Well, it was never, my son would go, hi, you know, behind my husband, and it would just make us so mad. We'd get in the car and go, Blaine. You've got to learn to, you know, extend your hand. That's a gentleman, you know, and you just go on and on and on. Well, about three years ago, he's 11, about when he was eight, I would always say, oh, Blaine, you know, have you met Mr. Johnson or Mrs. Johnson or whatever? And he'd go, oh, my name, you know, Blaine Hill, nice to meet you. That would be his tip-off for, you know, to extend his hand. Have you met, you know, well, he walked up and I said, oh, Blaine, have you met Mr., you know, Smith? And Blaine, this other man that we know was walking behind him, Blaine said, nice to meet you, Blaine Hell Jr. And, and the guy was like, and I said, hey, when you finally get it, you don't, it comes, it'll taper down, I'm sure, but we're just happy to have it, you know. And it was like an eye contact, nice to meet you. So you just take what you get. But, you know, that's just one of those things that you never know what it's going to look like when they finally get it. Okay, one thing I taught, really, I didn't have this with my other kids, but I taught it, and it works great is when you're talking with someone, teach your kids to put their hand on your arm. Instead of saying, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, or just coming up, Mom, can I? I mean, I don't even look. If my kids come up and say, Mama, I just don't, I just ignore them totally. And then Gracie's little hand, I'll feel it right there, and then I'll cover her hand, and then that means Mom knows I'm here, and when the conversation breaks, she will address me. And every time I look down at her, I look her in the eye, and I say, Oh, Gracie, thank you for being patient. What did you need? And so it just confirms, and she's so good at it. Now, I didn't do that with Sally and Blaney. I was like, 
excuse me, you know, I'd say things like that. But it's just a great thing if you can start training your kids now just to gently put their hand on your arm and then you cover their hand and that just tells them, I know you're there and I'll be with you in just a second. It just eliminates, it's another form of respect because authority, you know, you want to give them, you just want your kids to have respect for all authority. Um, Order. If you can get the order thing down, it sure eliminates a lot of frustration. Now, I was downstairs. We have had a busy week. I mean, Blaine has had test after test after test and just all kinds of stuff. And I've been very organized in that arena. But my phone rang a little bit ago, and I was thumbing through my purse, and I thought, okay, when I do this, I'm not going to let people look in my purse when I talk about this order thing, because my purse looks like a bomb has gone off. I mean, it's like that, you know, let's make a deal. I could pull out anything out of that thing right now. But it really does eliminate frustration. And it's your house. It's your car. You know, I just think I've made a rule that every time, every week, I always clean out my car. I vacuum it. I lift the seats up. I do. I just do it. Because I think that teaches my kids you know, the blessing of we're blessed with a car, take care of it. You know, guys, let's get everything out of the car, you know. And I've always said, go put your stuff back where it goes. Where do these shoes go? You know, because it eliminates a lot of frustration. If you can start orchestrating that now in your homes, you know, homework, work early, all that kind of stuff. And then it's the order of your heart. Have you prayed this morning? Have you asked God to be there? I mean, if you'll start your day out and order your day up, it's just where your priorities are. And, you know, I always think about your have-tos before your want-tos. You know, if my kids say, oh, can I go outside? May I? May I please go outside? Well, we got to clean this up first. You know, your have-tos, we need to clean this up before your want-tos. And you just kind of got to train them about that, have-tos before your want-tos. I'm a task-oriented person. I am a doer. And I remember when my kids were young, and you could have walked in my house every morning at 11, and you could say, okay, they got up and changed a diaper, then they ate breakfast, now there's the dirty dishes. You could retrace my whole morning. And then it was like I'd rush around and get, you know, while that morning 20-minute nap, I'd rush around and get everything cleaned up, and then it was lunchtime, another dirty diaper, lunch. And And so I just felt like, you know, at the end of the day, I was like, I have not done one thing. I mean, I had to go to the trash can to look and say, okay, I've changed three diapers, I know that. I mean, you know, it was just one of those things. So I would always do things like clean out the pencil drawer or do these little bitty crazy things. And then whenever I started feeling that frustration, I'd go over to the pencil drawer. Oh, look at those sharp pencils. Nobody messed that drawer up. And I'd say, oh, and the pens are all organized. I really worked hard today. I mean, it made me feel better because I knew that I was task-oriented and I knew I had to feel like I got something done. So figure out what makes you tick. And if it's, you know, getting the pencil drawer clean, then have at it. Routine is important for order. I mean, if your kids take naps, I mean, you know, I would make a list sometimes of ten things and kind of scratch off the thing I I got done when we went out on our morning thing. I mean, it was just go to get the laundry and back. And, I mean, you know, you just got to realize that the routine is more important because at the end of the day, if your kids are you know, frizzle-frazzled, and you checked all your list off. And, I mean, you pay. You pay in the evening. You pay at the, you know, the 6 o'clock hour is, you know, that's the grueling hour. You just pay for it. So, you know, really be mindful of routines and naps and all that kind of stuff. Now, with clean-up song, I think your kids all should have to clean up. I'm sorry, but I think you've got to instill to them cleaning up. And so I would always sing the Barney song, clean up, clean up. And every time I'd, I'd freeze. 
And then, you know, my kids, and this still works, because when I've worked in BSF, just like, you know, last year, and you do that, or in Sunday school, the kids love it. And it, it gets them involved, because you're going to clean up, clean, and you all freeze. And when you start singing again, you know, then they, ah, and then you freeze, and they just love that. And then also, now that my kids are older, we do the 10-minute tidy, and I'm just like, okay, guys, we're going to do the 10-minute tidy right now. And everybody's involved. And they'll run around, pick up shoes. I mean, 10 minutes, my house looks a lot better. And everybody's involved. And it's not me going, excuse me, can you get your feet off the ottoman so I can get the shoes that you've kicked? I mean, it's, a, it's involving everybody. And it just makes your, your night so much better. Okay, merriment. Man, you've got to have laughter. I mean, we're a family that if I, somebody said what goes on in our four walls, it's a lot of fun. We stayed up until 10.30 last night. Not Gracie was in bed, but Blaney was up. And it was just like he had had such a hard week. We just needed some good laughter. And we all four were sitting, my husband and, my, and Sally and Blaney and I were just sitting there. And I thought, you know what, we may pay tomorrow a little bit, but this is so much more important. He needs to be filled up right now. He had just had a busy, busy week with research paper and this and that. And once that thing spit out of the computer, I was like, Turn out the lights. I'm going to have some fun right now because it had been a little stressful for, you know, me one night, him last night. So I think, you know, merriment. Sometimes do you need to put the smell spot on? I mean, my mom used to brew like cinnamon sticks and orange peels and, you know, make her house smell better. I mean, do our houses stink sometimes? I mean, are they glorifying God? I know my house smells sometimes, and I need to put my smell spot on. I need to rechange things. So make laughter a daily event, and you've got to be intentional about it. I mean, lighten up. Just have some fun sometimes. Affirmation. I read an article this week in the parenting magazine about praise. And this gentleman was basically saying enthusiastic praise is the best discipline you can give your kids. And you know what? I would have to say I have to agree. Because I'm thinking catch your kids doing something right. I mean, I'm all about discipline, and I'm a big spanking advocate. I mean, and I'm, a, you know, reproof with that. But I still think, catch your kids doing something right. I read an article one time talking about this man that had this beautiful rug. And every time people walked in his office, they're like, oh, my gosh, this is the most beautiful rug I've ever seen. He'd go, come here. You see that spot right there? It's on. I mean, are we noticing the spots? Are we looking for God? This is, you know, how you view the gift is how you view the giver. God gave you this wonderful child or children. And so, you know, sometimes are we just walking in saying, oh, come here, look at the spots. Are we looking at it as a whole thinking, man, this is God's creation to me. I mean, he's loaned this child to me. So I challenge you to do that. You know, I'm not a big Dr. Phil fan, but years ago I just heard him say it takes ten attaboys to erase one negative statement. So you've got to have, you know, the ten attaboys. Now, I always tell my kids, and they know, if you walk up to my kids and go, people, they'll go, notice. Because they'll come in and say, and I think I shared with you last time, you know, my son, he got in the car one day, Mom, I got a free bonus today. And I was like, why? He goes, well, when Gracie came in the room, I got up out of my chair and went over and gave her a kiss and a hug. And my teacher called me up, and she said, you know, because you kissed your sister, I want to give you a free bonus. And I was like, Blaine, the important thing there is people. And he goes, notice. People notice. And I said, well, you're not always going to get a free bonus. But you've got to realize people notice you know, right now we're struggling with humility and football. People notice. People notice all the time. And there's times where my kids get in the car and, you know, from Target, and they've acted like complete buffoons. And I'm like, okay, how many people did you just went over for Christ in there? And they're like, oops. 
Gracie, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Like, you know, and I'm like, you know, we're always on, you know, we've got to be out there working for the Lord. And so we've got to be doing the best, best job we can. Okay, I've got use verbiage. We have the opportunity to spin things any way we want. Um, you know, when my daughter didn't make a singing group, I was just like, you know what? She did an excellent job. I sat there, we listened to her, and even when, you know, Blaine, we were all sitting kind of in between, we were standing in between this door and that door kind of and listening, you know, hearing her voice, and she was in front of these judges and everything, and she didn't make it. And I was just so sad for her. But my son was like, after she got finished singing, he was like, yes, Mom, she nailed it. And so, you know, she didn't make it when we got there. And I thought, man, I know she made it. Her voice was just too pretty. And so when we got there, we were just thinking, you know what, Sally, you did the best job you could. And it's just not what God had for you. Evidently, he's got something else for you. And so it's, you know, we, and I could have just said, you know, just left it with her like, oh, I didn't make it. I wasn't good enough. But you can spend things any way you want to spend them. And you can make your kids, you know, you just got to talk them through it and point them back to Christ. And I'm all about, you know, I heard, I heard, I read a book this summer talking about ask thought-provoking questions that point your children back to Christ. You know, just asking them, you know, if, they can, if you've been at McDonald's with a friend and, and your daughter hit the other child, you know, just when you're kind of asking them, do you think you were a good friend to Susan today? And they'll say, no, ma'am. Well, how could you have been a better friend? I mean, do you think you honored the Lord with your friend? And, you know, just ask them thought-provoking questions. Give them that opportunity to think back, oh, that wasn't really Christ-like. And that wasn't, and girl, guys, it's not too early at three to start making those, you know, those the conversations. You know, give them the benefit of the doubt. Start talking with them. Um, discipline. I always say the heart of the issue is always about the heart. And in James 3:17, God talks all about wisdom, and He talks all about peacemakers and lovers of peace. And I just think that's a great verse to dive into and look at. Be someone your kids can count on. I mean, consistency. When they cross that line and you've spelled out that boundary, respond. I mean, I said last time, if you go to the water fountain and you push that water thing, you expect to get water. If you talk disrespectfully back to your your son or daughter talks disrespectfully back to you, they expect to get, you know, a discipline or a consequence. And so just be consistent. And it says, I love you too much to leave you there. Love your kids too much to leave them there. I mean, last, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before, we, we just had one of those days where we were going after church. We were going somewhere where Gracie and Blaney were in the back seat, and Sally had a friend with us, and we were all going to lunch. And oh, they were just bickering and bickering, and I was just sitting there taking it and listening to Gracie. And so then I, I told my husband, I said, y'all just go on in. Gracie and I will be there in a minute. So I just got down on my knees. I said, Grace, what is going on, sweetie? Your heart is so clouded. I know. And I said, well, I'm going to recommend either you and I should sit out here in the car or you can go in there and apologize to everybody and we can make this a wonderful lunch and have a great time. So she decided to go in and say she was sorry. So she went in and said she was sorry. And then it was just like the whole day. It was a great lunch. We laughed. I mean, she asked Sally's friend for forgiveness. But that afternoon, again, Grace was just, again, just, you know, crossing the line. And I was on the phone, and she interrupted me. And I just said to my friend, Peggy, I'm going to have to call you back. And I didn't waste any time. I just, I, I don't really thank Grace that much anymore, but I just walked over, got my wooden spoon, and she knew it was coming, and I just popped her. And she started crying. And my husband goes, what is going on? I said, you know what? I have been Proverbs 24-5. I, her folly, I have been just 
following it up with folly all day long, letting her act that way. And it was just a time to say, you know, to basically say, stop the insanity. So I, she was up in her bed, and I went up there because you've got to go for the restoration phase. And I opened the door, and immediately she had her book, and she put it down. And she goes, Mom, I'm so sorry. I acted ugly. Will you forgive me? She goes, I've been up here on my knees praying. And she said, and then this little boy that committed suicide in Highland Park, she goes, and I've been praying for Pryor and Sue. And I know that's disrespectful, but I don't know their last name. And so I'm just sitting there, you know, it's just so sweet. And I said, well, Gracie, God knows their last name, and he hears your prayers. And I said, and I accept your apology. And, you know, I just, I just love you too much to leave you there. You just haven't been grace today. Well, I tell you, we have had the best week. After that, that week that followed, because it was just basically saying, I was just buying in, like, you know, put another log on the fire. I was just letting her go on and on. I finally said, wait a minute. Who Am I going to, you know, allow this? This is not the girl that I know. Her heart's clouded. I'm just going to pop her. It wasn't a big deal. It was just a pop with my wooden spoon. And it basically just said, you know, it was like... I mean, I hate to kind of make this parallel, but it was almost like a cyst or a boil that was just bubbling up. And it was just like once it released, it was just like that pressure was off. And it was just like this heart that just said, I'm so sorry, Mom. I don't know, you know, what was going on. So love your kids. You know, don't leave them where they are. And I want my kids to love me the same way. I acted horrible this week. My son had test after test, and he's dyslexic and we stayed home Friday and Saturday night, and we laughed and worked on this poem and memorized that, and then we did some research paper, and he and I were together, and we just had a blast. But when Monday hit, we weren't quite done with everything. We had some finishing touches on everything, and it was just like this treadmill. And so the night before last, I needed to listen to his poem that was a page and a half long and make sure he had every little word right. And I was just like, Gracie, get in bed. And I was just terrible. I mean, I was like, if there's a medal for the worst mom, I need to go and get it because I've just been the worst mom. And so yesterday when they got home, I just looked them both in the eye and I said, guys, I owe y'all an apology. Yeah, you were really snippy last night. And I was like, well, y'all love me enough to say something to me last night because they've come to me and said that. And I just want to be approachable. I want them to know that I want them to say something to me. I don't want them to leave me there either. We had this joke when Blaney was little. One time he said he hated me, so I pulled up to this, you know, cell phone store. He goes, where are we? He's probably three and a half. And I said, we're at the new mommy store. I was going to let you run in. Well, it's in a bad neighborhood. And all these, like, you know, questionable people were coming out with kids and stuff. And I said, go on in. Oh, no, I don't want a new mommy. So it was kind of a joke. We still drove by that place, and that's still kind of a joke about the new mommy store. And I said to them, like, you know, yesterday at, after school, I said, do you all want to go to the new mommy store? And they're like, no, mom. But it was kind of one of those things. So wooden spoon, you know, I always have my wooden spoon, spanking versus not spanking. You know, temper tantrums, I mean, we can talk about that, y'all, any questions, but whether to ignore them or not to ignore them. I mean, I think there is a time, 18 months, 16 months, you know, for boys that's older, you ignore them. And then I think it becomes like Gracie's stage. She wasn't really getting down and kicking and screaming that Sunday, but it was like, wait a minute, this is not, this is not my sweet girl. I always say about anger and attitude, um, anger's a deal killer, and there's lots of good verses there, and there's more good verses. I mean, that's why when I was preparing this, I didn't, you know, it was one of those things that I didn't have a lot of time to prepare, but it's just like I have so many verses I just want to throw out to y'all because I just, God's Word is just so faithful, and I just get so excited when He just sends me a new verse or something that I can utilize for my kids. Always try lowering your voice first. 
I mean, first and foremost, I mean, don't ever, you know, you always need to come from a heart of calmness and, and peacefulness. But if you lower your voice, like I find if I say to my kids, guys, what is going on here? They always listen a lot more intently. Um, low tide moments. When you have a low tide moment, hammer stuff in at that point. You know, like, oh, you know, yesterday we just had, you know, our day was not so great. You know, how could we make today better? And, you know, re, you know, yesterday you got so frustrated when you couldn't get this. And I used to tell my daughter, my 15-year-old, when she was little, I can tell you're angry. But when you're angry, you need to stomp your foot. Well, she used that. All, she, Ugh, you know, she'd stomp her foot, and I'd say, oh, I can see you're angry. Let's talk about that. You know, so it really, every time, I gave her a good way to express anger, and then when she would exhibit it, I'd say, I see you're angry. Um, you know, if handed a basketball, attempt to score. I mean, I think that goes with when the opportunity, when you're given the opportunity to parent, parent. You know, Sally, I got a call last year for, she was talking in choir. She recently got a cell phone when she was 15. And so I just told, I just told my husband, I said, you know, I called him at work. I was like, we've got to parent. We just got a call from the school and Sally's been talking in choir. My husband was like, that is not that big of a deal. And I said, oh, yes, it is. We never get the opportunity to parent Sally. We are going to parent her. Well, you'd have thought she had, you know, robbed a bank. She did, she got the cell phone taken away for a week. She got grounded for the weekend, but we had the best weekend as a family. And, you know, I don't even think she minded it. We all went out to dinner. We laughed. We had such a good time. And it was really a restoration weekend. And so Friday morning when the week was over, she came in and said, do I get my cell phone back this morning or this afternoon? I said, well, go ask your dad. I mean, I'm just saying, if you're handed a basketball, it would have been so easy just to say to that teacher, you know, okay, I'll talk to her about the talking in class. And I could have said, Sally, don't talk in class. But when I boiled it down, I say when you put that chip on the Plinko board and it spits out on disrespect, talking in class is disrespectful toward the teacher. And you've got to make a big deal out of it because you don't want them. If you, if you, you know, candy coat it then, then they'll just continue to be disrespectful. So I think I shared the story with you all last time about being in uh, – the little Sunday school class and the little boy spit in my face. Well, when they came to pick him up, the other teacher that worked with me said, oh, Zach spit in Mrs. Hale's face. And so we handed him a basketball, but I was already gone then. Well, they handed it back and said, oh, we're having problems with that. Well, three years later, um, we had already moved on to Watermark, but I saw this friend that worked in class with me, and I was like, how's the class going? Are you still working in there? She was like, yes, but we've limited the class number from 22 to 8. And she was like, I still have one troublemaker. And I'm like, who? And she said, Zach. Like, do you remember him? I'm like, oh, yeah. They should have tried to score with that basketball. I mean, even if you don't know how to dribble, do something. Somebody says your child was disrespectful or something, handle it. I mean, they could have brought him over or up to me the next week and said, oh, you know, Zach, what do you say to Mrs. Hale? Or, you know, and then I could have leaned down and looked him in the eye and said, oh, sweetie, you know, why? You know, I could have said something positive or something. But anyway, they, they chose not to do anything. Zero tolerance for the small offenses. If you... That, that Sunday with Gracie, I had tolerated all the small offenses, and they just kept getting, you know, just snowballing. So if you'll handle it right from the beginning, then I think that you'll see good results. Um, model forgiveness and repentance and restoration. I mean, you know, if your kids, you know, if you've done something to them, ask for their forgiveness. Uh, repent before them. And also, there's always a restoration phase. Every time there's discipline, there's always a restoration phase where they come back and they want to be loved on. Um, you can either be a solution or you can be a problem. 
uh, when you get when you give when you're given a problem, think about it. How can I give a solution to this problem? I mean, I know I've shared with y'all when Blaine was dyslexic, it was so overwhelming to me because I thought, oh my gosh, this is just going to be so hard. I hated to hear him read. It was so laborious. And so the day he got in the car, I just he said, I've got so much homework, and I just took my hand and I went peanut butter, and he was like, what? I go, peanut butter, and I took his hand, and I put it with mine, and I said, jelly. And I said, we go together, just like peanut butter and jelly. What do we got to do? We're going to go home, and we're going to, and I painted the picture of what the day was going to look like, and from then on, every day he's got, I mean, not today, but this was like in third grade, he'd get in the car, peanut butter, Mom. And I'd go, jelly, what do we got going on today? And he'd say, I've got math, and we got this. And he knew that we were going to be a team, and I was going to help him any way I could. And I've got up here like a mission statement that I did for my family. And I mean, I expect my kids, I have a high standard for them because I think it's what God sets for us. And it's not always that we do it, but I mean, it's like, are you going to try to be a hurdler? Are you going to be people that just go through life doing the limbo? I mean, God's going to use you if you've got a willing heart. And I think that's what it takes is a wholehearted devotion and a willing heart. And you don't, you know, as we've seen before, he uses imperfect people. And I think your kids will rise to that uh, standard. I think any time, you know, like I was telling you when my daughter went off to camp, reentry is tough. There'll be, you know, your kids will have friends that every time they come home from their house, they act just like those friends that might be disrespectful, and it's tough. But again, set the bar high. This is our family. This is what we expect, respect, all these things. And it's reentry. And I mean, I know when I go on vacation, like there's a one time a year that I go with my mother and my sister on a trip. And let me tell you, reentry is tough on any level for anybody. Because when I've been off getting massages or whatever and I come back in, it doesn't matter how well my husband's awesome, that it's reentry is tough. Um, refueling station, our homes, I'm telling you ladies, our kids are getting beat up out there. Let your face do the talking. When I go pick up my kids at school, I pull down the thing and I put the little number up there. And when I see them come out waiting for me to pick them up and I go down, I mean, I am doing this and I'm waving. And I want my face to say, I've missed you. When you go into that nursery and get your child, I've missed you. You know, I'm ready to see you. I have, you know, your face is the best thing I've seen all day. You need to do the talking. I mean, just with watch how your face lights up. When my kids will come in and ask me, like, Mom, can you tie my shoe? Or, Mom, can you do this? I always turn around and I look at them for five seconds. And then I decide, I would much rather tie your shoe than cut this lettuce. I would much rather or do whatever. I mean, it's look at your kids and just for five seconds because I guarantee you God will change your heart. And you won't say, I'm busy right now. You'll, can you wait You have ten minutes? I'll be there in a minute. You will look at them and say, I would, there's nothing I'd rather do than help you. So, And then another thing is for refueling. Little bitty things. And, and guys, these are just little creative things. I had a friend one time, I went with her to her mother's birthday party, and she had given her mom. Now, her mom prayed for her. She's, I think she started Moms in Touch. Melanie Middle, if anybody, any, any of y'all know her, she is unbelievable. But um, she had given her mom a box of chocolates, and when her mom opened them up, there's a little heart, and it said the love bite. And I said, what is that about? And she said, well, every day at lunch when I opened my sandwich, there was always a bite taken out of it. And she said, and so finally I asked my mom, Mom, why is there a bite taken out of my sandwich? And she goes, that is a love bite. When I was making your lunch, I was thinking about you, and that is a love bite. And so I thought I did that with my kids about the first six months. And when I couldn't fit in my clothes anymore, I thought I cannot do the love bite anymore. So I quit that. But sometimes my kids will still say to me, oh, Mom, can I have a love bite? I'm like, absolutely. 
Now, a great deterrent is if your kids come in at 5 o'clock and say, oh, can I have a cookie? May I? May I please have a cookie? And I'm always like, yes, you can have a cookie, but let's put it in this Ziploc bag and you put it in your special spot. My kids to this day, now 15-year-old doesn't, but my 11-year-old and 8-year-old still have a special spot. And they know in the kitchen there's a little cabinet, and they know that that cookie, half the time they forget about that cookie after dinner, but it eliminates, no, we're fixing to eat dinner, but I'm hungry, but I just want, you know, it eliminates all that. Because then they think, oh, she said yes, and now I've I've got control over this little cookie. It's in my little box, and I can get it later. So it's, that's a great little, you know, thing that works. I have a sign at my front door that says, Return with Honor. My kids know, whatever you do outside, make sure, you know, because let me tell you something. I mean, if any of you know my kids, they're not perfect kids. I don't want perfect kids. I don't want little robots that every time, hi, Mrs. So-and-so, how are you today? I don't want that. I mean, I want those teachable moments. I want, because I've got a Savior that's right beside me that's going to help me get through anything he has to hand, hand me. And so I'm, you know, I feel like I'm equipped. I'm very, I'm not equipped alone. I can tell you that. My opportunities just get this high. But, I mean, it's infinite with the Lord. So I'm not afraid. I know I'm trying to raise my kids to honor him and to love him and to do, you know, be out there and and advocates and all that for the Lord. But they're not always going to do that. Um, I put on here, love grows best in small houses. I love the fact that we don't have a huge house, and I love that. I love it because I feel like I can have a handle on my house. You know, I just purge stuff. I mean, you know, all the time. I mean, I'm just constantly just making, simplifying and just getting it out of there and letting go. Um, and I've gone on here giving them their own space. When my kids were little, I always had my travel crib up. And for about a half hour a day, because I was that doer, I'd put them in there for like 30 minutes. And I'd make all the beds, take my shower, you know, do everything I had to do. And then I was all theirs. But it kind of taught them to play independently. And when my kids were littler, and I mean, and when they got a little bit bigger and they were playing on the floor by themselves, you know, these are the things I'm talking about. When you walk by and you see them playing in there independently, get on your knees and crawl in there and just say, I just wanted one little kiss from you. Or, you know, just look them in the eye. And, you know, just it's just those little endearing things that fills them up and just makes them feel like they are so important. Um, at bedtime, you know, we don't pray a lot right before we go to bed. And I'm just being honest. I mean, we've never really, I go through spurts where I'll pray. We're so much more about just praying during the day. Gracie comes to me all the time and says, Mom, will you just pray with me? I'm like, absolutely. So whenever she realizes she's struggling, she is so good about that. Um, one thing my kids love is when they're laying in bed, they'd go, draw my face. So I would draw their face. I'd say, now you got your eyebrows. And they, their nose is just like mine and just like my dad's. And I'd go, and then God went in the Dharmi file. We call my dad Dharmi. And he got out a nose and he put that on. And then your little cheeks. And then I'll ski down their nose. And then their chin and their neck. And they just love that. Their eyes. And I will just talk about all the little special things about their little face. And they just love it. And they'll close their eyes. And Gracie will just... Draw my face. She still says that because that's God's perfect design. One thing that's fun when your kids get a little bit older is if you just put them in bed, scream out, pajama run. Everybody hops in the car and you run to Brahms. It's great. They love it. They're like getting in their pajamas. You know, now Grace will go, can we have a pajama run tonight? I'm like, nope, got to be spontaneous because you didn't, you said that. So, I mean, just do crazy little things. We've blindfolded our kids and taken them to Keller's before and, you know, just never know where we're going to go. But do fun things. You've got to be creative and just make sure your home is a refueling station. 
Um, makeup songs. We always had like, you know, we do like this little thing like this is the way we elbow elbow. This is the way we elbow kiss. We go through our whole body. Gracie and I will still do that sometimes because she loves to just all kinds of little songs. They love the same old stories. I mean, we have certain books. Gracie loved this Jimboree book that somebody had given us. And I'd sing, Oh, the Noble Duke of York. And she'd march around the room. And, you know, we had a bunk bed at the time. She'd climb up the steps on the bunk bed and then she'd fall back on the trundle. I mean, she'd just do, I mean, there's just things that they love. And even if it's repetitious, just do it again and again because that's what kids love. Now, again, Dr. Phil, on the same thing, he's, on the same show he said that other time, he would always whisper in his little boy's ear at night, of all the little boys in the world, how did I get so lucky to get you? And just those little things right before they go to sleep, just to say, you are so special to me. You know, God just blessed me with you. And I'll, now, Gracie, I'll always get in bed with her and I'll go, don't tell me, don't tell me. And she'll go, yeah tickle my back and so she'll just you know little bitty things that are just unique to you and I used to when they were little bitty in her and Blaney shared a room I'd always walk in and go now I know I kissed you today and I know I hugged you today and I know I told you I loved you but did you have well it was a gut laugh and they would just me just saying that to them they would just start laughing immediately I wasn't even touching them I was just whispering in the ear and they'd go yes we've had yes we've had so all those little things okay plant scripture uh, you know, I will tell you guys, God's faithfulness is unbelievable. And 1 Corinthians 9 says <clears throat> that God is just so faithful because he sent his son. I've, I've even typed that, I think, on the back page. The whole scripture, just talking about God who has called you into fellowship with the, his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. And I can tell you, if you turn it over to the Lord, you will get an answer. He is so faithful. I mean, I can guarantee that. You know, I'm one of these that I type up scriptures. We've put scriptures on our mirrors before. I print them. I frame them. I've had them painted on the door frames of my houses. I would have them tattooed on my body if I could. I mean, I, you know, when my son's struggling with something, he was struggling with humility, I printed it. I taped it on his Game Boy. It's still in grace. He's like, I want one on my Game Boy. I mean, you know, so it's just you've got to be creative. And, you know, do, do I know if they're getting that? <clears throat> I don't know. But I know that they're going to know that that's a verse and that, you know, I just got the nicest compliment from Laura back there. She said that she used to teach Gracie when she was four. And she goes, your daughter always knew the scripture. And she goes, I just knew she had been working on it. And I said, I wasn't working on it with her. I mean, I just think that's God's faithfulness. I mean, I really do. And I think always you, Sunday was telling me today that her son would say, like, Mom, you're not being kind today. Well, you, I, I encourage you all always use biblical terms. Say, you know, if you have a new baby, say, be gentle, be gentle. Use things, you know, like when Gracie would come up to me with her arm. Thank you for being patient. And I would tell you all that I think the number one thing, if you give your kids a love for anything, is gratefulness. I mean, and gratitude. Because I will tell you, that will eliminate a ton of things in your family as far as just having a heart of gratefulness. Um, Entitlement, I see that as being the number one thing. And I even brought our Christmas list. My kids type up a Christmas list every year. And on every one of them, my 15-year-old, when she was 14, when she was 13, she has always written, cell phone, you don't have to if you don't want to. Or, if you, you know, I don't know how she phrases it. But it's always like she's got it out there thinking, you know, if I don't get it, that's going to be okay. It's not like I want a cell phone. I mean, you know, she got her first cell phone at 15. Kids today get them at 8, 9. I mean, don't buy into what the world said. And I said here, entitlement starts with a happy meal. 
I didn't, you know, I used to get Sally Happy Meals, and every afternoon when I did my car clean out, I would be throwing the Happy Meal File 13 away, the toy, because it was like it was. she was happy with it for a minute, and what happens is you get the Happy Meal, you struggle with them the whole lunch, eat your lunch, eat your lunch, and they're trying to jack with the toy, and they never eat their lunch, so then you get in the car, they don't want the toy anymore, and then they're hungry, and their meal's cold, and you've just thrown it away. So I just thought Happy Meals... Or for they were really for those special times when my mother-in-law would take Gracie to eat lunch. And one time when Gracie was three, and this is a funny thing because my mother-in-law didn't know, but when she was three, she took my daughter, Gracie, to get a Happy Meal. So Gracie gets a thing, and Gracie oh, immediately hops open there. We always got the American meal when we went. You paid more, but you got the same stinking thing without the toy. But, I mean, when we, she got this little Happy Meal, she was so excited. My mother-in-law said she just fumbled through to find the toy, and then she looked up and she goes, she goes, oh, I'm sorry, Gracie. All they had today was boy toys. And she said, I'll be grateful. She like sat down and started eating her little. And she used the word grateful, which was so funny to me. But I'm telling you, it starts with the Happy Meal, and then it goes to cell phones, and then it goes on and on and on and on. And so if you can teach your kids. My, my daughter will still say to me today, she goes, Mom, that's not being grateful, is it? And, and you, it starts with helping other people out. You know, if you see someone struggling to get in a car, go help them. If you see someone, my husband used to always kind of minister to these homeless people behind Sonic. And I would, like, go by and see this guy in, like, a, my husband's in some golf tournaments occasionally, and he's, his car looks like it's a, you know, a, uh, oh, what do you call a pro shop, because he'll have all these shirts that he got for free. Well, you know, a homeless man in, like, a, you know, I don't know, some, you know, Byron Nelson collared shirt is, you know, but they will wear it. You know, if you give it to him and that's all he's got. Well, one day my husband gave him this money and and my my oldest daughter was with him and he said, oh, good, this will buy some hot dogs and we'll have a cookout. He goes, now all I have to get is the, I've got the chili, all i got to get now is the Fritos. So my husband, my daughter was like, oh, my gosh, I had been somewhere that day and I put a whole thing of Fritos in my, I never eat Fritos, but I had had them that were in my uh, console. And so my husband goes, oh, my gosh, I've got these Fritos. So it's just like you just never know how God is going to, but it just shows you that don't focus on yourself. If you can put the focus somewhere else and just train your kids, because I'm telling you, we're raising our kids entitlement and the love of this world. And I love that verse in 1 John 2.15. I mean, God just gave me that verse this last week, and it talks about, you know, my son's been struggling with humility and football and being frustrated and angry. And, and it just said in that verse, you know, it's just point your kids basically back to Christ. It's not about this world because they've got to have a love of the Father. And so we went over that verse, and I loved it because the guy that I can't even remember, Chip Ingram, is the one that was talking about this, that he typed this verse up. And so I went straight home and typed that verse up, too. And the greatest thing was he said, Matthew 4, he said, anytime he felt, it says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. And I love that because my son was just kind of not not boastful, but he was thinking, I should be quarterback and I should be doing this. If they needed Blaine to block, and I was like, you know what, buddy, you better be doing what God wants you to do. And if that's not where God has you, be content where you are. Because God might be protecting you from getting hurt. There's just so many things. But I loved it because what... um, uh, Chip Ingram said was Matthew 4 was like the rebuttal for that or like the 
And it basically was when the devil was trying to tempt Jesus. And it says, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And I love that because I could go back in there and there's the temptation verse right down there. I love that because I feel sometimes the love of this. I mean, I don't know if you all heard John Cox's message a couple weeks ago about money, but just like getting scuba diving. And I could relate to that because I scuba diver did. And that current that pulls you. And I mean, there's times that I surface and go, where is the boat? You know, I can go over in certain parts of Dallas, and I can kind of get into that, and then I can think, oh, my gosh, I cannot wait to get in my neck of the woods. It's like I just, they're so easy to get sucked into that. And it can be the the sinful cravings of man. It can be the lust of the eyes, or it can be the boastfulness. I mean, you just got to be, but I've got the rebuttal. You just want to say, away from me, Satan. I mean, he's given you the, the, you know, the ways to get out of that. Okay, chips to dinner. One night we were out to dinner, and... My son, we were at El Phoenix, and he picks up the salt, and he just salts it. And I said, why did you just salt the chips like that? And he goes, Mom, it adds flavor. I said, did you know in the Bible it says that Christians are the salt of the earth? I said, do you know what that means? And my husband goes, well, that means that we add flavor to the world. And I said, give him a sticker on his Sunday school card. I'm so glad you answered that. It was not intended for my husband to answer, but I thought... That is so good, honey. I'm so glad you knew the answer to that. But you can use that for, we kind of got a laugh out of that, but you can use that for you are the light. You know, oh my gosh, it's so dark in here. Let's get the light. Well, God says we're the light of the earth or we're the light of the world. Um, Disrespect, you know, it just says to honor your father and mother. I mean, these are just all the ones that I've used and do with my kids. Respect with others. I mean, people that have older kids. I mean, when your kids are, you know, going like this. I mean, one year I just clung to Ephesians 4.29 one summer. And I was just like, do not let any unwholesome talk. I would just keep repeating it. And then my kids finally got it. And I would say, do not let any. They go unwholesome talk come out of my mouth, but only that which is useful. And then it just got to be now where all I have to say to my kids is because it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of my mouth, but only that which is useful in building others up according to their need. Well, now I'm just like, hey, guys, I'm in the building business. Who's in it with me? Was that building your sister up? No, ma'am. They'll apologize. Or was that building your brother up? And I focus, when my kids are being disrespectful to each other, I've just learned. My son will kiss on, on Gracie like nobody's business. And Sally is so sweet to Blaney. They all really have a sweet relationship. I mean, for people that you know know my kids and have been around them, they really do love each other. But I will always, when Gracie like pulls away and he stinks, he's a boy or whatever, I'm like going, you know what, Blaine, keep loving on her. You know, it would be real easy to say, Gracie, don't treat your brother like that. That is so disrespectful. But instead I just say a lot of times, Blaine, God is so proud of you. Keep loving on her. I know it's tough when somebody pulls away, but keep loving on her. And Gracie hears that, and then she's like, I'm sorry, Blaney. You can kiss me if you want. I mean, a lot of times it changes her behavior just doing the praise thing. Honesty. The other day, in lying, my son lied in first grade, and so we had to, you know, have him do all this, you know, writing these verses down. And But it was so funny because the other day I went up to him, and I got right in his face, and I go, an honest answer. And he's like, is the truth? And I said, what does God say about an honest answer? And he's like, oh, it's like a kiss on the lips. And I kissed him, and I said, oh, and doesn't that feel good? Because, you know, I just had found that verse, and I, I was so excited about it this couple years ago, and I was like, I found the greatest verse today. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Who doesn't like to get a kiss on the lips? And honesty is so great. So it was just funny that he said, is the truth? I was like, what does God say about that? But insecurity, when Gracie was going through an insecure time, I would just tell her she cried, Mom, I don't have any friends, I don't have this. 
And I'm telling you, God has been so faithful. We got on a volleyball team, and people are just loving Grace. And she's, she keeps saying, Mom, I have more friends than I know what to do with. And I'm like, God is so faithful. And God put one of her friends that were in church with her because Gracie was coming to church and she just wasn't getting connected because when they did that wake and all that, that they changed the times. The really the one friend Brooke Moore that she had went to the earlier service. So Gracie was going in. And she was like, Mom, the teachers always talk to me, but nobody really talks to me in the in the thing. And I said, Well, Gracie, you know, you have to understand from their perspective. If they're walking in and there were three pair of shoes there, and you saw your furry Crocs over there, which pair would you go and grab? And she said, Well, I go grab my Crocs. And I said, Well, that's because it's comfortable to you. And I said, These people just don't know you. Well, sure enough, we got to volleyball, signed up on a team. We didn't really think we'd know anybody. And one of her girls was in her class from church. And Gracie goes, and Sally, my, my daughter said, well, Gracie, I think I see that little girl over there crying. And she goes, well, she's in my Sunday school and she's always mean to me. And I said, Gracie, this is your chance to show her you might be her comfortable fair shoes next Sunday. So Gracie went over there because Sally thought she was crying. So, you know, Gracie went over there and bumped with her and did all this stuff, you know, with the volleyball. And so then the next time we went to the game that Saturday, her mother came over and goes, oh my gosh, my daughter was crying when she got home and she said Gracie was so nice to her. And so I explained to her mom about church and she goes oh well we will try to really you know try to tell her to you know reach out to Gracie at church so it worked itself out and now they're like a little great friendship but it's just God is so faithful in those times so you know just let him do the work it's a lot easier Um, the pencil sharpener I mean God is going to sharpen our kids and one of my favorite quotes is God has chosen suffering as a way to perfect his children and why as parents do we deny our kids this, this opportunity it is painful to sit humility with my son my nanny oh not my nanny she used to keep my kids one day a week when I worked but she's still my housekeeper and she comes every two weeks and her faith I mean she is amazing I mean I just and she's like oh Miss Millie you know she goes the other day she came in she goes what does humble mean I said humble I like that so we went over what humble meant and everything and so when I told my kids that I said would you repeat that to Blaney and she goes I wanted to know what humble meant so now we kind of joke with Blaine are you being humble you know because and so he kind of knows that but my latest book that I'm reading is Raise Your Children for True Greatness and Always Keep an Eternal Perspective. I heard Sharla Autry say that. And you know, ladies, I'm going to tell you, I can come and sit in this room and when Kay Wyma was here or Sharla Autry or anybody, the good news is we never are sharp. We're not, we're not totally, we're always spurring each other on. I get little tidbits from them and I write those down. It's a continual thing about being sharpened. And so always be looking, keep an eternal perspective. Um, at the dinner table, I always say before your husband gets home every day, call him on his cell phone, debrief him about the day, let him know the struggles you've had as far as, well, so, you know, Blaney was this way or did this or did that. So he'll know how to handle that. He knows what kind of day you've had. Just make it brief and short so when he walks in the door, it's over. I mean, you can kind of create that loving atmosphere and put your smells pot on, whatever you need to do. But just so he kind of understands, well, I've given 10 spankings today and this has happened and, you know, blame was disrespectful or this or that. Try to eat meals as a family. Our family time at our table is, I'm telling you, that's the lost art of our country today, is there's no more... We just got a round table, and I am loving it because I can see everybody. I used to kind of have to be the one that pulled up the stool, but now we got this round table, and it is like, I'm telling you, it is so great because I can see everybody's face, and we're all engaged. We always say, okay, Grace, you're in the prayer chair tonight. It's always heartfelt. I mean, she prays for, you know, 
our house. I mean, people that are in the tornado. I mean, sometimes it goes on, the food gets cold. It doesn't matter. It's just that her prayers are so heartfelt. I mean, she'll pray for, thank you for my clothes, and then she'll get around to the food. But you know what? Encourage, you know, we always were, God is great, God is good, let us thank Him for our food. And just encourage heartfelt prayers because it will make your kids reliant on prayer. We always do the high and low. It's a great time to reflect on the day. My low today was that Blaney dis- disobeyed me. Blaney disrespected me. You know, just kind of it's an opportunity to be grateful, to instill that, oh, I'm so grateful for this. And just have an attitude of gratefulness. I mean, like I said up there, because gratefulness and a gratitude is just that attitude. I went to Fellowship Bible one time, a long time ago, and they were singing that song. Uh, it said, um, gratitude, oh, gratitude. It said, gratitude, oh, gratitude. Let me check my attitude. An attitude of gratitude says I'm thankful for what I've got. And I sing that. I used to sing that all the time with Gracie. When she, you know, like we got the little thing back from the, uh, the bank, and she goes, I want a blue lollipop. And there was only a green one. She'd go, oh, gratitude, oh, gratitude. And she'd go, I'm happy to get the green one. I mean, you know, it just remind them that it's all those little bitty things. I mean, you know, just say, I'm not going to, you know, gratitude, just bring them back to gratitude and being grateful. Traditions. I just stuck a few down here. One year, my, my 15-year-old, when she was a little bitty, she made little Thanksgiving place cards with scripture. Last year, we did a great thing. We had an elf that came to our house because Sally, they, my daughter thought that if you left the um, that uh, syrup from pancakes brought elves. And so I said, who left the syrup open? Well, I got this elf and I stuck it up on her ceiling fan. Gracie almost wet her pants. And it was every day she would test him like, um, I've got this Play-Doh and I'm going to leave it and see if Elwin, she named him Elwin, and she would write him little notes. It was so cute. I'm going to see if Elwin uh, makes anything with my Play-Doh. So my husband was down there like at midnight rolling, making a snowman. We still have it. And so she loved it. It was so much fun. And he changed locations every day. And, I mean, it was really, we had a lot of fun with him. So she's already saying, Mom, are we going to have pancakes anytime soon? See if Elwin comes back. I'm like, where is, I'm thinking, where is Elwin? So, you know, it wasn't really good. When she saw his foot and it said Made in China on it, I was like, oh. You know, anyway, so she, she really thought it was real. And she would, like, just lurk at it. You know, she's like, look. We always make a happy birthday Jesus cake, seasonal decorations. I'm, ki- I'm not kidding. Kids love it when you decorate and just bring out all the cheesy stuff. I mean, you know, the, the things, the pumpkins. The, I mean, they just look for it. Gracie's already talking about all the stuff we can bring out. So I kind of did a few things for Halloween, and I'll get some other stuff out. Um, homemade ornaments. I mean, just keep those because they're so great to tie on your Christmas tree. And I went to a house for a, a, a home deal, home tour, and this lady had all older, older kids, but she still had all those little paper ornaments, and they were all along her mantle on this big, you know, greenery, and they were just tied on, and I just thought, oh my gosh, it's so endearing. You know, just make your kids, just you want that to be, you want your home, I think I put last time, to be intoxicating and inviting, and you just want your kids, I mean, like Gracie today had the opportunity to go to a friend's house, she goes, Mom, I really prefer she come to our house. And you know, I know there's a lot of, she has a nanny full time and she doesn't, and I know that, you know, I read a book one time and it was talking about that, that this girl never wanted to go anywhere but her house, and so I feel great about that, that Gracie wants to come, so just make, you know, make their kids, their friends welcome and make your home just be that way, so this girl always comes to our house, which is fine. Um, adopt a family at Christmas. I know one year we adopted a family years ago, and my husband called and he had bought, went, gone to Gap and bought all these jackets. And uh, they were like $50 a piece. 
And there were like three kids. And so then when he called the lady back, it was a prison ministry. She called the lady back and she goes, well, I actually have two more kids that live here. And could, would you mind getting them a jacket or mind getting them whatever you get? And Blaine was like, no, you know, what are their sizes? So he goes back to Gap that night and they were marking everything down. And so Blaine got the mark down and it ended up paying for the other two jackets. So, I mean, my point in saying that is, you know, God is so faithful. And then we all took that over there and we shared the gospel with these little families. And we always cleaned out their toy boxes. We always took them new stuff and then anything that they, you know, weren't playing with at the time and took all that. Um, cars. You know, when you're in the car, I always refer to my kids. I still to this day, you know, Gracie still likes to sit in a booster chair sometimes. But I always refer to their car seat when they were babies. I'm going to put you in your safe seat. If you say safe seat, they're a lot more willing. You know, they think that's going to make them safe. And they know you love them and you want them to be safe. Because I don't know. I mean, if you have toddlers, sometimes they get where they're arching their back and they don't want to get in the seat and you're strapping them in. It's got, you've got to be very calm. Okay, listen to, listen to kids. And a lot of times I was going to say when I put them in their car seat, I always open the door back up and I was like, I need one more kiss. You know, and then I'd like go and act like I was going to get and I'd run around. They'd see me run around the car. I just need one more kiss. And so you open the door back up and they're looking at you. And, you know, it's just making those deposits, ladies. It's just so much about making those deposits. Um, listen to children's CDs, Christian CDs, you know. All those kind of things. Listen, when you're not in the car, listen. I mean, when they're not in the car, you know, surround yourself. I've said that before with Christian CDs, Christian talk radio. Just all that you can fill yourself up with, you know, to to put your focus back on the Lord is important. Um, parking lots. I always told my kids, you know, put your hands on the car like glue. And I'm telling you, just like your arm, they do it. When you're in the parking lot, they'll just like glue their hands up there and they won't remove them. And that gives you an opportunity to kind of get everything in the car. And then it gives you an opportunity to get them in. And you say, hands on the car like glue. And they just put them there. It's amazing. And they'll keep them there until you put them in. But that way you're not worried about it. They're running out in front of a car and things like that. Restaurant. Um, these are just some practical applications for, I always had a bag packed just for, you know, restaurants and it had new innovative toys in it. And sometimes it was just the, the new innovative toys that I put in it in the beginning, but it was just toys they didn't play with regularly. And so when you went out to dinner, my husband and I always took our kids out to dinner. We went to familiar places. We'd say, let's go to Chili's tonight. I'm going to get thee. And I'd tell him and he goes, I'm going to get thee. So when the waitress comes and says, what do you want for dinner? Order your food. Don't just get your drink. If they say, what, what would y'all like to drink? Say, well, we're ready to order our food. Because it's nuts. If you say, well, we're going to order our drinks, and then you're feeding them crackers, you're feeding them Cheerios, and then the lady goes, okay, what would y'all like for dinner? And you're like, okay, I'll have the, well, I'm telling you, by the time the food gets there, their stuff from Cheerios and, and crackers. And if you'll just place your order right there, because you've got to train your kids about restaurants. We always said, and I, I shouldn't say this because I got corrected one time, but we always said seat at the table or seat in the restaurant. Because if my kids started getting up, we always use that trapezius muscle, and we'd go, sit down. You know, we'd push them back down, squeezing that, and they'd be going, ah. You know, we just never let them get out of their seat. But when we had family dinners at the table, we had high chair, we always had them sit in their chair. We didn't let them run around at home. We created that family time because, you know, I just thought, seat at the table or seat in the car. And my children, each one of them, always chose the seat in the car. Now, I would go put them in the car, and I know this is not, so I don't want CP, whatever, Child Protective Services to come get me. But now I'd go into my husband and say, wrap it up. And then I'd go back, and I could sit on the bumper where they couldn't see me, but they're sitting in the car, and he would get the kids, the other kids, and come on out. But it, what's great about that is when you get in the car, it's very crucial that you say, I did not realize that Spring Creek Barbecue had those 
those hot brownies with that ice cream on top and those nuts and that chocolate sauce. Oh my gosh, that was so good because they're thinking they missed out on something. So they never chose the car again. So it was just sit in your seat and you make them sit down because if they, if they start getting out of their seat and they're running around, I mean, my kids and my sister's kids, my dad just, he's pulled her kids out from many a table and, you know, stormed home without the food. And, you know, it's just been a disaster. And my dad came when I had Sally that was like four and Blaney that was one. And we went out to dinner. My dad was like, where do you want to go? And I said, oh, let's go to Houston's. He was like, Houston's? He was like looking at my kids. I said, yeah, let's go to Houston's. I mean, I had my bag of goodies. I had my, so we went go to Houston's. Sally colored, just sat there, you know, and she was fine. Blaney was like a little bitty. He was probably under, he was probably six months. He slept. So then when we get home, I hear my dad on the phone, do you know we went to Houston's and we both had a glass of wine? Could not believe it. It was like, you know, he just didn't expect that two kids could go and sit and do the right thing. And I was like, Dad, you know, I mean, when you train them, it just works. And, I mean, there's not always those days, but, you know, you just got to keep training them and tr- just keep getting faster. Because if you go in a restaurant, you order what you want, it comes immediately. And then if your kids are still doing good, then order dessert. Have a cup of coffee. Enjoy yourself. But your kids are in training. Stores, always pack your sense of humor. And when the temper tantrums occur, and I'm just telling you, ladies, if you can raise your hand and say your child's never have had a temper tantrum, and if they're under one, you may can do that. But it's a coming. I'm just telling you. And just make light of it. I mean, I would get to the checkout and say, this is the last time I'm bringing my sister's children to the grocery store. They were pitching a fit. I mean, I would just make light of it. It's They're in training. I mean, have fun with it. You know, if people stare, just go, we're in training, you know. Just don't don't make light of a bad situation. And then ask yourself, I mean, you've got to take your kids to the grocery store on occasion, not for the $200 shop, that's probably not a good idea, but milk and, you know, the list is as long as you want it to be. They don't know how long the list is. If they're starting to act fussy or doing things, then you shorten your list in your mind and you make that seem little by little, you know, whatever it is. I mean, I'm a dental hygienist and when I have kids that come in and don't want to get their teeth cleaned, I get a Q-tip out, and I will just touch their front tooth and go, okay, you're done, great job, you did wonderful today. And they feel like they've done exactly what they came to do, and it made those deposits to say, hey, I did what I was supposed to do. I didn't polish them and scrape and do all the stuff I might have needed to do, but I did something. I didn't say, I'm sorry, you're going to have to take him to a pedodontist. We just cannot do it, because it's like, oh, I won. That taste of victory comes up. So I just do, they don't know what I had plan to do. It's their first visit. So it might have been just a ride in the chair and here's some gloves and a mask and you're in a toothbrush and go home and have a good day and we'll see you in 10 years. No, I'm kidding. We'll see you in six months. But I mean, it's okay. You know, you just kind of do what you got to do, but you got to make those deposits um, and just train them. Um, I always said to Sally and them, establish your consequences before you go beforehand with eye contact. Ask them. Before we went to the store, I'd always go, where do your hands go? And Sally would always snap them down like that. I'd say, look with your eyes when we get in here. If you touch things, we're going to have to leave. So she would go. One day we were in Fredericksburg, and she had done her little hands, and we were down on the square in Fredericksburg. And this lady goes, okay, I've never seen that before in my life. She was pointing at something with her foot. And I was like... You know, hey, that's what you get. And always the best thing, guys, is that when your kids are young and if they're, they've got the gimmies, Gracie's got the gimmies right now, you just say, you go, oh, let me get your list out. You know, what, is that what you want? Okay, let me put that on your list. 
They don't know. I'm telling you, they forget it either way. And, that, you know, they get in the car and they think you've written it down, so that's a sure thing they're going to get it. And then they just think that's Christmas. You know, when Christmas comes, we'll get your list out, we'll sort through it and figure out what your top three things are. But it just it edges off just like that special spot. If you just say, if you give them an answer like, oh, let me put that on your list. Always use strollers. Shopping carts routinely. The minute you let your kids walk in a store, it's over. They'll never get back in the shopping cart again. So don't ever, you don't want to take them shopping. Just go ahead in the stroller, in the shopping cart, and just buckle them in. If you've got your second baby, take your older kids or your children to appointments. Always let them go. The, when my next one, my, my doctor knew all my kids because Sally would go and she would talk in the stethoscope. Hi, little fella. Or, you know, she knew what it was. She never told my husband. She'd say, one day she was like, because he didn't want to know if it was boy or girl, but she knew it. Four years old, she knew. Three years and nine months, she knew what it was. And she'd say, Mom, are we going to buy, uh, she said something about herself, and then she goes, or himself. You know, she kind of, she just, she corrected herself. It was so funny, but she never, she never let it on that she knew what it was. But she talked to the baby. We always made time when we'd go to Medical City to see my doctor. We'd go over to the nursery, and we'd let her look in there and see what the baby was going to be like. We involved her in picking out the outfit, all that good stuff. And so then I took my kid's picture, like a picture of them, and I always put it in the little bassinet. So when she showed up in the nursery with whoever brought her, she could look in there and say, oh, that's mine because I'm the angel. I'd say, no, you're going to be the angel watching over him when you go up there. And she'd look up and think, oh, that's mine. That's Blaine because there she'd see her picture, which made her feel special. She made Blaney a birthday cake, his first birthday cake, and brought it. And then use the verbiage, you're such a great helper. I don't know how I could do it without you. What would I do without you? I mean, when it's time for that feeding and you hear that other, that baby screaming, that's called lung development. Let them scream. It's more important to make the older sibling feel loved. And you've just got to say, you know what, Blaine, you're just going to have to keep crying. Because Grace, I mean, Sally was here first. And then I'd say, Sally, I'm going to need to feed Blaine. Do you want me to get you a drink? Do you want to read a book? What do you want to do? I would fill her up before I ever, because he was going to cry. It didn't matter. I hear so many moms make that mistake of, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to go find, I've got to feed the baby. It's time to feed the baby. Don't do it. Don't make that mistake. You've got, I mean, I'm telling you, I, t- I sat down, Sally down before Blaine came and I said, you know what? You're going to dictate whether he, lo- you know, the love that you and him have. If you love him, he's going to love you back. And if you're mean to him or, or, you know, not kind and sweet and gentle, then he's not going to, you know, he'll do the same to you. And she has done amazing. So I just think treat your older child as if it's not going to hurt that baby to cry a little bit. I just think... I'm coming to the realization, I know this, but I'm just learning it so much because like when I was looking up the scripture for you guys, and I just feel like we're all disciples of Christ, and it's a lifelong process. We're lifelong learners, and I think we have to remain humble, or humble, and we've got to remain hungry. Um, you know, when Jesus was talking to the disciples and trying to get people up and win hearts for Christ, for him, you know, for God, he said the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And ladies, I'm telling you, I see it out there with my, my children's friends. I mean, right now we're having girls that are drinking. We have moms and dads that are turning their head. And, you know, my daughter's going through a little opportunity to look at some friendships and say, oops, that's not really who I want to align with. And the harvest is plentiful, but the moms are not wanting to do the hard work. And I'm telling you, God is faithful. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. But the fools despise wisdom and discipline. 
The fear of the Lord is not being fearful and shaking and trembling. It's being in awe of God and realizing who He is and that He is faithful. And He wants to, He wouldn't have given you. He entrusted these people to you. He would not have given them to you if He did not believe in you and know that you are up for the task. Um, I just think, and I love that about God who has called you into fellowship with His Son Jesus Christ, is faithful. Look at His faithfulness. I mean, there is nothing better than to tell your kids, oh my gosh, do you see how God answered this prayer? Do you see where God is working here? It's so great to be able to tell that. And I think my favorite verse, and it's on the back of my necklace, and it's got my three little people's faces on the front. It says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. Do you know what a blessing Laura's jewel that she gave me today to say that she saw that in grace? That's not me, guys. That was their teaching that was surrounding them. Put godly mentors in your, in your little people's lives. I'm telling you, I, I, Blaine's small group leader called us last year and said that Blaine, he goes, I, I just need to apologize because Blaine, I, I really said something about, you know, that I needed for some people to step up to the plate. And Blaine kind of, you know, he said, well, uh, he said, if y'all don't, if I don't get a handle on the group, then you're going to have to go stand over here. Well, Blaine said, I'll go stand over there. Well, I mean, it was so disrespectful. And Amit and me was just calling to say, I'm sorry. You know, I kind of had to pick on Blaine today. And I said, oh, my goodness. Thank you for loving him enough. And he was like, oh, well, I didn't really see it that way. I'm like, no, hold his feet to the fire. And so, you know, and he said, well, is, can I talk to him? And I said, well, he's at my parents right now. Let me give you the number. And so my dad, he called and talked to Blaney. And I think I said, well, I asked my dad, well, what was Blaney saying? He's like, just a lot of yes, sirs. I said, well, good. So I don't know what Amit said. And I never brought it up with Blaney. I'm like, I, thank you for loving him enough. So just pray for those people. I mean, I think Watermark does such a good job of that. Just pray for those people to come into your children's lives and, and be there for them. So I just hope you ladies got one jewel. If you left here with one bit of encouragement, then it was a blessing. And, and it's, I just feel like we as moms need to encourage each other. So thank you all for coming. And do you all have any questions? Yes. Okay, well, I, I absolutely see what you're saying. And I'll give you some suggestions for that. My son at three was totally, I mean, every day, I would say, when I, as a tip-off, I, when I dropped my daughter off at kindergarten, I would say, okay, Blaine, it's time for us to pray. And I would say, dear Heavenly Father, um, let us be trained today and let us keep our wheels on the right track. Yesterday, we weren't kind to Lily. We weren't gentle. And Lord, I know you want us to be kind to one another and gentle. And please help us today. And when you see him being kind to her or gentle, then start praising him for that. Also, with sharing, model that for them. If they say, may I please have a sip of your drink? Absolutely, I would love to share with you. Mommy loves to share. One, I mean, you know, one time I bought my kids uh, a, a Sonic toy, and we were sitting in the car, and they wouldn't share. I mean, they were just fighting over it. Blaine got one, Gracie got one. They were like, I want yours. I want. And so I said, guys, we were driving to my older daughter's soccer game. I said, work it out. And so we got there, and they were like, okay, well, Mom, you put them behind your back, and we'll be grateful for whichever one we get. So sure enough, same person got the same one, and they were still bickering. So I just said, come to Papa. And I would spotted a trash can, and I just got out of the car, and I went over and threw them away. So I get back in the car, and they're like, see what happened, and if we had shared. and you know, So it was just an end to that. So if they're not sharing, I say, just say, you know what, if you can't work that out, then I'll work it out for you. And then you just take the toy, and you don't want to necessarily throw things away, but a Sonic toy, you can do that and make your point. But just take it and put it away. And just take it calmly and walk out of the room. 
when we can share, they'll learn really quick that sharing, that's just you got to do it. And so you just don't, you know, Galatians 6, 9, do not grow weary in doing good for in the proper time you will reap a harvest. God's saying, cling to that. You know that's an issue. Hammer it in, hammer it in, hammer it in. Go back to that at every turn.